Good morning, members. Welcome back to another morning meeting. It is Wednesday, the 7th of September. What happened overnight, Marcus? Yes, thanks, Chi. The US market came back from its holiday and normal service has been resumed. Europe had one day whilst the US was on holiday for the Labor Day holiday, had one day to steal the limelight, did a pretty good job with its European energy crisis fuss. But overnight, we're back to normal, worrying about interest rates. Dow Jones was down 173 points. At one point, it was up 145, down 270 at worst, and spent the day catching up on everything that's happened since Friday, where the jobs number was quite good, but the market fell. S&P 500 down 0.4%, NASDAQ down 0.74%. The S&P 500's down 18% this year now, the NASDAQ 26%. If you have a look at the charts, which are in the strategy piece today, the trend is unquestionably down for the moment. The Nasdaq has dropped for seven straight days, as has the technology sector in the US. Its longest streak of losses in six years. VIX volatility index was up a little bit. SPY futures were down 37 this morning, but as Leighton will tell you, we are getting thumped today, down 100 points. And we're down about 125 points since the RBA meeting yesterday. And the message from the RBA meeting was that they are definitely not going soft on interest rates yet. Despite that, interestingly, the Aussie dollar has dropped from 68 cents to 67 cents. But there you go. It's sort of counterintuitive to the RBA not going soft. Europe, though, a bit of relief overnight. Stock 600 index was up a bit and the UK market and Germany and France all up a little bit. Driving the sell-down in the U.S. was a sharp rise in U.S. bond yields. They were up 16 basis points. That's a big move for the bond market. And that came on the back of a stronger ISM services sector number. We wouldn't usually respond to that sort of number. But the Fed did say that they are data dependent. So we are looking at every little bit of data that comes out. The U.S. dollar was higher as well overnight, 0.6% higher on the back of the bond yield rise as well. But in better news, the ISM services sector number suggested that supply bottlenecks and price pressures have eased. We've got that US CPI number on Tuesday. Obviously, that might help to confirm that inflation is peaking. Overnight, though, the chances of a 75 basis point rate rise in the US popped up. If you remember on the jobs number, they dropped from 72% down to 56%. They're back up to 72% now. Commodities pretty quiet. Oil price settled overnight, hardly moved. Iron ore price was up 2.3%. It's not doing BHP and Rio any good this morning or Fortescue Metals. And Chinese lockdowns continue. Bitcoin down 4%. I think it's down 6% now. LNG price overnight, it was up, if you remember, 35% in the UK on Monday night and then dropped 17%. It's down another 7% today. So some of the fuss coming out of the European energy crisis, metal prices mixed but didn't move too much. That's about that. Leighton, what's going on in our market and coming up on the calendar? Thank you, Marcus. Yeah, so our market was only supposed to be down 37 points, according to the futures. We're getting absolutely smashed at the moment. We're down 105 points currently. At worst, we've been down 107, so pretty much bang on that. All of the sectors are in negative territory following on from that RBA interest rate decision yesterday. There's not a lot of news out around companies either. Metcash had a trading update today. They're up 1.6% on the back of that. 
but Brambles, Medibank Private and Viva Energy are all down ex-dividend. Viva Energy is down 6.6% on the back of their ex-dividend. Onto the calendar, we've got GDP growth rate numbers out locally, AI Group Services Index for August and the RBA's Connolly has a speech today. Out of the US, we've got the balance of trade for July. And that's about all we've got on the calendar today. Jerome Powell is speaking on Thursday night. In the newsletter today, we've got the most shorted stocks. Some of the movements through there. Block's short position has increased. Lake Resources' short position has increased. And Nanasonic's has also increased. Still the same names that we're seeing up around the top there with Flight Center, Betmakers, Block, Lake Resources, and Zip. And there was a broker update this morning from Macquarie. They've upgraded Bendigo Bank, ANZ, and Commonwealth Bank, and they've downgraded NAB and Bank of Queensland. All of those are down currently, though, so not having too much of an effect there. And any updates in the income portfolio, Leighton? Thanks, Chi-Chi. Yes, it's the income portfolio weekly check-in today. Haven't made any changes last week, and our main concerns are still looking pretty similar with the interest rates back in the spotlight. Now we're looking out for some AGMs as well and, of course, that energy crisis over in Europe, but that doesn't seem to be having too much of an effect today. Looking at the performance last week, we outperformed in a down week. The ASX was down 2.4% and the portfolio only fell 0.96%, so quite nice outperformance there. The dividends are pretty much drying up. We've only got a handful left. Amcor and Medibank Private are both X today. And then we've got ASX, Perpetual, Smart Group, Corporation and Spark New Zealand still to come. And just looking at the dividend portfolio X-Ray as well. Everything has settled down a little bit following on from results. Tabcorp has dropped a bit in the quality ranking, but it's still up really high and sits up in that top right hand corner. Interestingly though, Rio Tinto and BHP Group are also still right up in that top right hand corner. And they're two of our best quality slash value stocks, even as the iron ore price is coming off the top. And JB Hi-Fi is still our top quality stock right up in the top right-hand corner there. Thank you, Chi-Chi. Thank you very much for that, Leighton. Anything in the ideas section, fellas? The ideas section was cleaned out as the market tipped over in the last week or so. We've only got Oz Minerals still, which is a bid situation awaiting developments there. It seems to be going okay. I notice also, Leighton, in the income portfolio... On a day like today, it's outperforming, not terribly significantly, but income stocks do tend to be boring, reliable, defensive, and that will be the case in a down market as we've got now. And that is despite some really quite big falls in stocks like Fortescue Metals and BHP as they've gone ex-dividend in the last week. So I think the message there is defensive portfolio doing okay in a down market. And back to you, Marcus, for your strategy. Yes, the US interest rate fears have taken the baton off the European energy crisis, as expected. As I say, Europe had one day to steal the limelight. But back to normal today, interest rate fears dominate. The trend is down and is unlikely to change until the message does. So the calendar has a few events on it that could change the messaging, including a speech from Powell on Thursday and the US CPI number on Tuesday. Until then, we're on watch and wait. There's nothing really to do unless you're trading lithium, uranium or coal stocks, which seem to be the only sectors with a bit of life in them at the moment. The RBA meeting we covered yesterday, but the clear message from them is that there is no sign of them going soft and the market didn't like that. 
And as I say, stretch is expecting regular rate rises of 25 basis points from here until the end of the year. And the banks, noticeably, they don't like that message either. They were underperforming a little bit running into that meeting. But the CBA today down 1.3%, Westpac down 1.6%, NAB down 24 It's not a good look. And Bendigo and Adelaide down 1.5% and 2.6%, Macquarie down 1.8%. At some point, the focus will go to the bank's results season, which is still three months away, but nobody interested just yet. The game for income investors is to try and time the bottom on the banks again, ahead of them running into the dividends, which usually happens. So it's all a bit blah, blah, blah today. Same sort of thing. I don't think Powell's speech on Thursday is likely to change anything, although last time I said that ahead of Jackson Hole, it changed everything. But coming so close on the Jackson Hole speech, you have to imagine that he will pass the same sort of messaging along. So I don't think we're going to get any real relief from this mild downtrend until probably the CPI number on Tuesday night. Now, in order to fill in on strategy whilst nothing's happening, I have done a piece today called Trading Basics. Have a look. It's in a separate section today. But I put some Renko charts. Renko is R-E-N-K-O. And I put some Renko charts in the newsletter this week and got a tremendous response from some of you about how simple they were. I've got an explanation of Renko charts in the newsletter today. And in order to understand those, I realized I had to explain average true range or ATR, which led me to explain position sizing, stop losses, and ultimately that all ends up in explaining Renko charts. I won't run through it all, but it is interesting stuff. And it is, as I say, trading basics, which is not necessarily for traders, it's also for investors. The theory being, or the teaching in that section, is that you can, using the tools we provide, you can judge the volatility or risk of every stock you hold, and you can use that to position size, in other words, work out how much money you should commit to each holding. And you can also develop a trading plan, which means you have a stop loss and you know exactly what you're doing. So you don't prevaricate every time a share price goes down. You have a trading plan that dictates what's going to happen. And I teach you how to do all that in a section called Trading Basics Today. So have a look at that. It's not very complicated. And it is solid grounding for any investor. Having said all that, of course, we do have Stuart McPhee starting on Monday, starting his new trading section. So stealing his thunder a little bit today with a bit of technical trading education. And that's about that shabby day today, obviously. Waiting for the big pivot point, obviously isn't here yet. Well, let's lighten the mood with the question of the day. What is your favorite card or board game? Marcus, you want to start us off? Oh, goodness. I've always loved board games, but usually I've been drunk, so it didn't really matter which one we were playing. But the best card game by far, I think you'll find, is bridge. And I've realized at the golf club, there is a bridge club always. It's the same as golf, except it cuts out the exercise. So you end up sitting at a table drinking with all your friends and competing at the same time because golf is a competitive sport. That's why it's so popular. And bridge is a very competitive card game. It's also slightly intellectual. And you might know that Bill Gates's bridge partner is Warren Buffett. Oh, wow. <laughs> it keeps them entertained. Yeah. And my brother and I used to play with our parents when we were kids, uh, to the point where when we went to boarding school, my brother and I developed 
a brand new game which we haven't patented but I've never seen since which was called Snap Bridge <laughs> because people can spend a heck of a long time playing bridge uh, so we sped it up with uh, Snap Bridge well, in, in our uh, breaks in between classes we only had 20 minutes anyway so we had to try and get whole rounded so bridge would be my game and you'll find a lot of golfers rotate to bridge when they get a little bit older and less mobile okay well we might have to start a market today bridge club we Snap could bridge club. we could but i'm not paying you to play bridge <laughs> okay it's supposed uh, to be it's supposed to be really difficult isn't it yeah. or difficult no, to learn it's not no it's quite it's quite simple also a bit of a naughty game because it's a bit like golf there is no no tolerance of cheating <laughs> but you've got to work with a partner so mm. there are two of you playing against two other people and you sit opposite each other and doubtless it's a bit like playing poker you pick up other people's ticks so you know when they're lying or when they're trying to pass you a message and you know you might just find your wife's tapping you under the table going that's two trumps no trumps (laughs) (laughs) four clubs all this sort of thing so it's a little bit naughty as well so it's a bit of fun okay I think you're gonna have to teach us how to play that and Leighton how about yourself it's a board game called Settlers of Catan If you haven't played it, it's really, really good. It's just like a trading game where you just acquire commodities and stuff and you have to trade. Kind of like an advanced Monopoly, I suppose. And you just, you you get points along the way and then it's like the first person to reach 13 points wins or whatever, but really, really good. Settlers of Catan. Never heard of it. It can go on for ages as well. We were playing it during lockdown, like the whole time. That's really, really good. We might have to get that in as well. So we've got Bridge and Settlers of Catan. Cameron, how about yourself? Gotta go Uno. It's just the, the ultimate game. Easy to play, everyone knows how to play it. It's good, you can play while you're drunk, while you're sober. Very good. I like the, the option of being able to do reversals. And if you do reversals in conjunction with pickups, you can obliterate a friend or family member. So I also like Uno as well. And I think I'm going to go back to an old fateful, and I like Cluedo. Cluedo. <laughs> uh, <yes. laughs> Chi-Chi in the office with yes. a laptop. With the laptop behind a desk. Very good. <laughs> bit of characterization, a bit of dramatics there. Well, thanks, everyone. See you back here tomorrow.